This week on Overtime, we take a look at what it means to live palms up. I cannot wait. This is one you're going to like, subscribe. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And this week, we're in a kind of unique spot because we had a message from someone who's not on the couch with us. Our OG pastor, to steal a phrase from Pastor John David Dukeson, brought a word. And we're going to do our best to talk about it, even though... None of us actually prepared it. So first, I want to introduce our guests. Tonight, we have one of our elders, Sherry Beaumont, with us today. And um, That's your yeah. key, guys. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Sherry! Sherry has been at Center City since almost the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I thought as kind of your like intro question for people to get to know you a little better, and because our founding pastor was here, I would um, just ask you to share briefly how you ended up at Center City and then to follow that up with, why have you stayed for 14 years? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I apologize for my voice. I know it's a little funky. Um, I did actually got here before me. Just by like a month. But, you know, <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I was, I was hunting for a church. I'd been at a different church in Charlotte, which was another great church. But, you know, just kind of really had the sense from the Lord that it was time to move on from that church and find another one. And I hunted, and I hunted, and I hunted. And I went to another church that was really close to my house for about a year. And nope, that wasn't it either. And I was, I was looking all over, tried different ones. I'm like, nope, it's not this one. No, it's not that one. And, you know, y'all, church hunting is hard. Like, it's hard to balance what are my preferences versus what does God want and all those things. Um, you know, so if you're ever doing that, you know, I, I feel for you. And... I had seen on Twitter, somebody that I followed said, hey, these three pastors are starting churches in Charlotte. Maybe you should check them out. One of those people was David Dukeson. So I checked it out, read his blog. I was like, all right, this guy sounds kind of interesting. So I, I read c- his blog first, too. <laughs> Shout out to blogs. That was 2010. Yeah, <laughs> for, the young, for the young people in the room, um, a blog <laughs> is like TikTok with words. <laughs> But That's longer. a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. It's more like a BuzzFeed article. BuzzFeed. And I actually commented on one of his blogs. I was like, I would love to come, but you have not listed a web of an address on your site anywhere. And he actually responded. He said, Yeah, we're still starting. So I assume that was meant they were still in his living room and they weren't letting complete strangers just appear at his house. <laughs> Fair. So fast forward a couple months, I was like, okay, you know what? There was that one place. Let me check them out again. Walked in. The Sheehy's, if you remember them, greeted me. That greeter function, so, so important. You know, immediately I felt valued. I walked in, and there was just this sense from soup to nuts, from beginning to end, that that was where I was supposed to be. Um, so fun story. I did not want to go to a church that was all buttoned up where you had to appear to be having it all together and so on, like suits and ties and be perfect before you, you know, all of that. And I was like, no, that's not what I want. I want to see, I told myself, I want to see tattoos. (laughs) Um, I don't have to have them on myself. It doesn't have to be on the (laughs) folks on stage, but I want to see them. And wouldn't you know, I sat behind a couple that had several that first day. And I'm like, 
Here we go. John and Marilyn, you guys were at Center City already? <laughs> <laughs> I just stayed true. <laughs> um, but then why I've stayed is just the really sweet spirit and authenticity that you don't find at every church. There are others that do have it, but um, just the focus on Jesus. Um, I remember David Dukeson saying, if Jesus is enough, this will work. Like, he will make it work. Um, and the I remember also saying that while I don't think it's a right, I have the privilege of going to church with people I would want to be friends with anyway, um, which is still true today, by the way. Um, and uh, so, yeah, those reasons, among others, I've just been, I've felt valued. I've valued the people I've been with. I've valued the message that has come. I met the walk that I see other people at church having with Christ. It's real. It's not just something they bring out for show on a Sunday morning. But, like, I could call any one of y'all on a Tuesday, be like, hey, I got to talk about something. And we would go deep if we needed to. So, I do have to tell on you just one fun story. We, we won't walk down memory lane forever. <laughs> but there was one Super Bowl party that when the church was small enough, we all fit in, like, one okay. place for a Super Bowl. <laughs> and Sherry's not very into football. <laughs> if you talk to her, you'll realize this. And I was in the front watching the game, and then I get a text from her that says, we're in the back talking about opera and farts. I think you want to be part of this conversation. <laughs> And um, so it's it's always been an authentic conversation. And I did stop watching the game to go figure out what that conversation was about. Nice. So we're so glad to have you on the couch. Sherry I, is... I think, unfortunately, you've now teased, and now we all want to be a part of that conversation. Because what those happened? Two what things was the different podcast? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> we made that statement you. almost every week. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, we also have on the couch with us tonight our worship pastor, Marilyn mm -hmm. Gonzalez. And you've, yeah, yeah, give it up. You've technically been on before, but it's been a while, and that was our whole staff. And um, and so I know your story is a little bit long, too, so don't feel like you have to give every detail. But even though your family came along a little bit later in Center City, I would love for you to share just a little bit about what, what brought you here. Yeah, my our first uh, time visiting was David Dukeson was the pastor, but he didn't actually preach on the Sunday we visited. It was just like a random, we were here for anniversary, churches around the corner, and we, we happened to come and visit and, and really enjoyed it. Um, through our prayer process, we knew God was moving us, and we didn't really know how or when, and it felt like every roadblock was coming up. But actually, um, Pastor John's, I don't know, what, what do they call it? Your initiation? I don't know, like in a frat house or something. <laughs> whatever, whatever it's called when they put you they in. They pledged me. Yeah, when I was pledging. <laughs> Thank you. I have no clue, but whatever that was. Um, when we found out. Yeah, installation. Installation? That's, word, yeah. That's Okay, installation, fancy. Like a uh, TV, I like got installed. <laughs> you were installed as our pastor. Um, when actually we heard through a friend of ours that that was actually going to be happening. Actually, it was. I think it was Jennifer who told us, I say friend, she's my sister-in-law, um, uh, that you were going to be the pastor. And that was sort of the the nail on the proverbial coffin that we knew uh, God was calling us here. And so um, we've stayed ever since, thanks to this guy's leadership, Pastor John. Oh, yeah. thanks. We love him. Love that. Love him and Jess. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Glad, glad you're, you're still here, here Sherry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. <laughs> we um, are going to dive in. We've gotten one question and I'm going to get to it, but it's, it's kind of comes from the end of a verse that 
Pastor David spent a long time on, so I want to kind of dive into that whole verse. He was in one of Second Timothy, verse one seven, which says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self discipline." Which can also be translated sound mind. And I promise we're going to get to that question because that was one of the big ones I had. But I wanted to start out with this idea of what it looks like to have, what it, what is a spirit of fear and timidity? Because I think it's something that's around us so much. We mm. almost like get used to it as normal. And so I don't have a particular person, feel free to jump in with this, but um, how would you say that you have seen the spirit of fear and timidity either kind of trying to sneak into your own life or just around you? Well, that word spirit that's used in that passage, which little side note, um, when I was in youth ministry, one of our first youth groups were called was called Powerhouse. Uh, it was the first youth ministry I took over so um, that I was um, installed in or pledged to. And <laughs> this was kind of our theme verse. And uh, for middle school, we actually had a, a character, like a mascot called Timmy. <laughs> his hair Her was all blown. Wow. His, his hair was all blown out like he just got <laughs> hit with a bomb because of the word power it was early anyway uh, <laughs> i think i got that sketch somewhere still um that word that word for spirit I, I think it gets a little confusing um the original language of course is the word pneuma and it speaks specifically in this tense more to the idea of the human spirit like um, the, the origins of who we are, like on the inside. I think that's important because often when we think the spirit of fear, we think of something from the outside coming to scare us mm -hmm. or to shake us. And yet, really within the context of this passage, that spirit of fear is actually something that's on, on the inside, within us. So technically, it's a part of our sinful nature. Mm. Um, and a part of our sinful nature is to fear, and uh, what, what God is, what, what Paul in his writings here are actually, yeah, Paul to Timothy mm -hmm. uh, is basically letting them know is that like that, that part of you that's afraid, that's not from God. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's an, an important thing to understand because I think sometimes when we read this passage again, we're quick to, well, if I'm afraid, it's because something from the outside, but this is a spirit of fear that's, that dwells within us. Mm -hmm. And he, he's quick to say, God didn't give that to you. That's a part of your sinful nature that you're going to have to figure out how to navigate. So what does it look like to navigate that? Well, again, I, I tend to be, when it comes to scripture, and I hope that you guys are like this when it comes to reading scripture, I don't try to overcomplicate it. And according to this passage, you get to some degree a math equation, right? And that, and whenever that's present, it makes me happy. I'm not a math guy, but when it's Spoiler there... Spoiler alert, there's going to be an equation this Sunday. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But the scripture says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but what he has given us, to David's point, is power, love, and self-discipline. So in this kind of passage, what Paul's saying is, if there is fear you're dealing with, what God has actually given you to combat that fear is power, love, and self-discipline. Mm -hmm. So the way you are to navigate those seasons of fear when that, when that thing rises up within you is to lean on the power of the Spirit that's been given from God. Lean on the idea of love. You are loved. Um, uh, scripture goes on to say that perfect love drives out all fear. And you are, we are collectively we are loved perfectly. So in those seasons when fear shows up, 
Paul is quick to say, be reminded you are perfectly loved. Remind that to your sinful nature. Put that thing to death through this idea that I've been loved perfectly and self-discipline because what you need to now do is act on what you know, not what you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I think those three things are the way that we combat that spirit of fear that's within us. That's yeah, good. that is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the question that came in, which David spent some time on, he talked about how that last word gets translated differently in the English because we don't have like a perfect definition for it in English. So it can be self-discipline, but then it can also be translated a sound mind or a peaceful mind. And so um, someone asked us to talk a little more about how those things are related, like how self-discipline can equal a peaceful mind. And I'm just going to I'm just going to start with the lead pastor on this one, and then we can jump in if you guys are okay with that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So often in Scripture, the idea of the mind is where all of these conversations seem to originate around. Um, We are transformed not by the renewing of our body, but the renewing of our mind. And, and so our mind becomes this place by which I believe spiritual warfare is, is, is levied. Um, What, Paul would remind us in this passage is, again, when you lean on love and you choose that, that to lean on the power of the Spirit, there is this place where your mind can be at peace, mm-hmm. which in 2024, it seems like, and I, and I don't know, maybe you guys could attest to this, like a peaceful mind is at a premium right now, like even in believers. And I think so much of that is because we don't, not to, to mix the, the word here, but we don't have the self-discipline necessary to control. Scripture talks about capturing every thought. We're, we're so inundated with thoughts every day that we're just, it's, it's like we're not disciplined in the way that we think and what we allow our minds to kind of be, you know, take in. Um, you know, whether it's entertainment choices or the people we surround ourselves with or you know, the, the habits that we tend to kind of lean towards, uh, the, the slothfulness that seems to be a part of our culture. The, the Why did numbing. you look at me when you said that? <laughs> I, I wasn't saying you were slothful. Someone uh, else. Sometimes I'm lazy. <laughs> but so much of that, like, um, it's, it's a lack of, lack of training of the mind. And what Paul is saying is, well, I believe he's saying is that there is this place where we can be of peace in our mind. But it requires the work of leaning on the power of the Spirit, be reminding of, uh, of the love of God for us, leaning into that love, and ultimately showcasing the discipline to get our mind right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that does take work on our part. You know, we're about to take a bunch of guys to the mountains for the weekend. Let's go fight camp. Super excited about that. We don't, we don't do retreats here <laughs> because the children of God don't retreat. Um, <laughs> We move forward unless you're resting and refreshing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But um, the non-sloth. I'm curious. The, yeah. What Not would you say one. renews our mind? Well, the word of God renews our mm-hmm. mind. So consistent time in the word. But I think, so it's a great question because I've been actually thinking about this a little bit. I think in 2024, we... People are going to jump on me for this. I actually think we consume more of the word, word of God because it's just given to us in bite-sized morsels constantly. Mm. You version on your phone, people's Facebook posts. You know, how many times do you see it on a person's shirt? So it's not that we're not exposed to the word. I think the issue that we have 
um, is A, we need to be exposed to the word consistently with, a, with, a, with an appetite for study. But then on the flip side, we also have to uh, um, limit what we allow in our mind. Okay. And I think we have more of an issue with limiting what we allow in than just study the word mm -hmm. I, I, again. So I do think that that's what brings about the peace of mind. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. But in, in your personal life, right? Like, so in seasons where things have been in turmoil, what are some of maybe the practical things that you have done to calm your mind or to move your mind back to that place of peace? So uh, there's a quote, I think it's from Ben Franklin, who said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Oh, that's good. Nice. And I'm like, because sometimes you just have like this really random thought, right? And you're like, where did that come from? Like, that's horrible. Or no, I'm never going to say that, right? But are you going to go down that path and entertain it? and feast on it and build this whole thing? Or are you going to say, no, uh-uh. Let's go sing whatever song that we sang on Sunday. Let's open our Bible up real quick. Let's remember a verse. Like literally taking control of our own mind and putting it on something that is worthy of our attention. Yeah. Um, that I have done that word, myself. That oh. remind word is powerful. Uh-huh. Because it means that you have spent ample time in the word mm. um, so that you can be reminded. You can't Good. be reminded of something you haven't right. captured. Yeah. So that's, it, that's why it's so important to make sure that we are consistent in our word mm -hmm. regardless the season. Because in those times where we need peace, that's so strong. That's, that's so strong. What about you? I mean, not because I do worship, but I worship music, honestly. There have been times where even just singing scripture, that has been something that I've done in the past that allows me to get the truth in. I, I like what you said about you're, you're sort of fixating your mind on something different. I remember um, when you struggle to sleep, I had a therapist once tell me, try to picture a neon sign in your mind of the number 100 and then picture it changing and don't move from that picture until it changes. But what she was talking about was that discipline of the mind to not That's allow good. it to just run with whatever thought or whatever fear is within me that it naturally wants to run towards. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to take those thoughts and, and capture them and make them obedient to Christ, I have to have the discipline to do. So sometimes it is something as simple as just singing a song with, with biblical truth mm -hmm. that allows me to. Yeah. I, we even see the example of that in scripture when Saul was in a moment of turmoil, it was worship that he demanded that David would walk in and play his harp in order to pacify that tension that was in him. There's something beautiful about music that's being dedicated unto the Lord that, again, to your point, reminds mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. It reminds us of God's goodness. Yeah. I would say, um, I feel like it's not that popular anymore, but memorizing scripture, mm -hmm. like, because that is what allows you to have it called mm -hmm. to mind. And so often there are things like if there's one particular thing that's bothering you, it's really easy to jump on Google. Or if you've been in one of our freedom groups, the back of the book has pages of like, if you're dealing with this, here are some scriptures for it. But um, one of the things that we actually did together, which you did way more successfully than me, <laughs> was um, there was a season where we together memorized the book of Philippians, which sounds really crazy, but it is a shorter book. I memorized the first chapter of Philippians <laughs> and a couple <laughs> verses of the second. <laughs> but Sherry got me. the whole book. And we're not going to 
No. We're not going to quiz you today, but um, <laughs> <laughs> unless we're short on time, no. <laughs> but but the the reality of memorizing like a whole chunk in the context, I don't know how many times I still will be in the middle of something and something from what Paul said in that first chapter of Philippians, which is like half greetings, mm -hmm. um, will come to mind. And it's just this reminder that is exactly what I need in that moment. So again, speaking to that idea of self-discipline, to take that time, even when you're not really struggling, to say, no, I want this written in my heart. And mm -hmm. to do that, it's going to take a little work, and I'm going to say it over and over again, and I'm going to meet my friend after church on Sunday to explain why I didn't learn any more of it this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to to do that is yeah. is so helpful. Well, yeah. and it's going to look like I'm showing off, but in Philippians 4, it says, <laughs> be anxious for nothing. Yeah. And everything by prayer and petition, let your request be made known unto God. And he Come keeps on. your mind <laughs> with the peace that surpasses understanding. Let's go. And I'm like... I have been, there's been many times I've been like, oh, I need that right this second. Yeah. And then I think it's that same sort of peaceful mind. And you're able within the scope of even this passage, like when, cause we talk about Bible memorization and we talk about Bible study. How many people in the room would say, I'm not, I just don't have a great mind for memory. And I'm not raising my hand to show you how to raise your hand, but that's your boy. That's your boy. And uh, the advent of AI has made it even worse. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't need to memorize anything. I'm just going to ask my, my chat assistant. Um, but there is this place where when you read phrases like, okay, well, I, I am struggling with fear and it's talking about power. You're able to almost cross-reference so many of these passages that you know, Scripture talks about power, right? And then when you when you read a passage like uh, an idea like love, you're, no no greater love than, than 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 a man has in this that he'd be willing to lay his life for Christ. Uh, so loved us that he mm -hmm. was willing uh, while we were yet sinners. So many different passages begin to blossom forward in your mind that instantly you're, you're again it's capturing those thoughts. Things start to line up, and you begin to experience what the scripture calls a peace that passes all understanding that doesn't make sense because technically nothing has changed except you are beginning to do the work of reminding yourself of the goodness of God. Yeah, yeah that's good. So we had a question that came in that goes back a little bit to the fear, but I think it's really good. And it, it says, you often hear this idea that we should be God fearing. What is the difference between this and the idea that fear doesn't come from God? <laughs> Just looking right at you again. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately, um, man, you're going you're gonna to get a little old school with, with me here. Um, there is an idea of reverence that we have forgotten. So traditionally, the idea of fear and the idea of reverence, like we, we kind of lose the, the, the variation of those words, you know, in the original language. But when we're talking about fear of the Lord, we're talking about reverence and respect. I hesitate a little bit because people don't like hearing this. But when Moses saw God, the response was, hey, I'm going to stick you in a rock and put your face towards the mountain because you can't handle what I'm about to show you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's. I often, we talk about the difference between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion because Mount, Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, God shows up and the mountain trembles and he's like, don't touch the mountain. Like, don't even let your livestock touch the mountain. But then you move to the New Testament and Mount Zion, Jesus is saying, come on up. 
come on up, everybody, just just come on up. And we think, oh, God must have changed. No, it's still the same God. The difference is our relationship because of the nature and sacrifice of Jesus is transformed. Mm-hmm. So there is this thing when it comes to how you reverence God, you treat God according to what we read in Scripture with this place of respect and reverence. And I don't have a problem in the world using that word fear. But when you talk about the spirit of fear that's within us, it leads to anxiety, worry, depression, doubt. The fruit of that fear is ugly and scary. It's that it's it's the fruit of that that often we like that's the difference. Reverence to the Lord doesn't produce any of those things. It it brings us closer. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I've heard the word awe used like I'm I'm with you. I don't think it's. I think fear is still an appropriate word, but it helps me to sometimes think of being God-fearing as having that appropriate sense of awe at the just the goodness and the bigness of God that I can't even get my mind around. And that helps me differentiate a little bit between like being afraid and being in awe. Um, because it's not like this fear that God's going to smite me if I mess up, which I think is sometimes how people interpret like God-fearing um, because he has every right to. He just loves me too much, which is true of every single one of us. <laughs> like, So he made a we way. We all love but, you too um, much? No, no, no. <laughs> yes, all of Sorry. you. Sorry. <laughs> um, but but to, to kind of think of it in a sense of awe versus fear. Well, and there is, you know, I also think of it in the sense of respect. Yeah. Um, if we think about fire or knives that are sharp like we respect those things it's good because they can hurt us right and god in his love will not but he could <laughs> and you know if he he will correct us and he is so holy mm. and so on and it's like mm-hmm. you know you don't go messing around with that yeah you know without knowing oh yeah yeah so yeah i think uh again in our modern day uh, understanding a lot of times when we talk about fear and reverence, we struggle with it because it's not like it used to be. Um, but David uses a phrase that always messed me up. He's, although you smite me, mm. still I will praise you. Yeah. It, that it, it showcases, to your point, there's a power. Don't, don't get it twisted. He spoke words and, and, and constellations were formed. He's still a big God. His yeah. his fingers mm-hmm. form the depth of the ocean by which we still haven't gotten to with all our modern day technology. Like that's the scope and the scale, the power of the God that we serve. So yes, there is a reverence to that power, but because of the love of Jesus, we're able to step into right relationship with yeah. the Father. Mm-hmm. And it's like learning how to hold a knife the right way. And yeah. I, I like that's I love good. that picture. It's so good. That's good. Yeah. Feel free to submit more questions. I don't have any right now, but I, along this line of fear, one of the things that I um, just kind of wonder is have we um, culturally packaged this idea of a spirit of fear and labeled it wisdom um, mm. so that instead of thinking that we're acting in fear, sometimes that we say we're doing the wise thing when it's really the safe thing? I could be totally off. Mm. This is this is what happens when people don't submit questions. <laughs> um, 
But I, I wonder what you think of that, that sometimes we do have this spirit of fear and timidity, but what we say is actually, this is the wise thing. This is going to protect my family. This is going to protect myself. And we wrap it up as wisdom. Any thoughts? It seems like if I were not going to obey God, it'd be a really good sounding excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be a bad decision. Oh, how would my family be provided for? You know, I would hope one of y'all or all y'all would call me out on that. But <laughs> you know. I think some of that is is kind of resolved in uh, the idea of motivations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if what what I feel like God is asking me to do is scary, um, Again, I, I just grew up in youth pastor world where my youth pastors always said things like, if, if what God's asking you to do isn't scary, it's not God at all. Um, <laughs> that's the type of culture we kind of grew up around. And what I love is God is also calling me to love my kids, which isn't scary. It's just something I need to do. Right? <laughs> so, um, but I do think that when, you, when, when you're in those conversations, you're, you're ma- when, when those decisions are being brought up in front of you, you just have to be careful what your motivations are. Because mm-hmm. when, whenever we get to that place where we're motivated by comfort or we're motivated by status, mm-hmm. um, then then that's not wisdom. That's just fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but when your heart's right before the Lord, and I, I do think that he can work through our, our practical thinking too. We um, got a word from Jimmy in the back. I'm calling you out because it's, it's a word, but he reminded us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> like it. Get Way it, to go Jimmy. with the scripture. Let's go. <laughs> Get it. And thank you for submitting something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think that's very helpful because sometimes what God asks us to do seems like foolishness to the world. Absolutely. And it's easy to hide behind this idea that, no, that's not wise. So that must not be what God's asking even when we know, but um, what it, what advice would you give to us as a community? And this is for anyone, because my hope is that as all of us surrender our lives to the Lord, he's going to ask us to do some things that are scary and that we're the kind of community that encourages and supports one another in that to do those things that might seem mm-hmm. foolish to the world, but are, are truly what God is asking. Like, how do we create a culture where we can spur one another on in that way. I, I mean that the the best way to spur that on is to be an example of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think people who live in that place of faith attract faith out of others. That's yeah. just, you know, when you take big risks, I think it um, allows for the people around you to kind of see mm-hmm. God work. Um, I, I say that of my kids all the time, like my, I'm not, I'm not expecting God to call my kids to do what I've done. Like, I, I don't have any illusions of that, but I want them to do whatever God has asked them to do in. And I know that some of that will be done in the same manner they've seen their mom and dad do. So when we take risks, a part of the thing in the back of my mind is, when Mike and Noah are approached at certain ages with God asking them to take risk, I don't want them to look back at their mom and dad and say, ah, that's something mom and dad wouldn't risk. Mm-hmm. You know what that's I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that could be said of each of us. Like, man, uh, I want to I live the life of faith that Colin and his wife have lived, right? Yeah. I, I want to be able to do 
and, and have the type of faith that says, you know what, we're in the middle of this all, but we're going to choose. I don't, I'm not going to call you out, Colin, but there's been some, there's been some things <laughs> that uh, Colin and Kristen have stepped in fully that most people would be scared out of their mind to do. And it's encouraged me as their pastor say, when those opportunities come to me that seem big, I'm like, they're slaying giants. I want to slay giants too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that that's important. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We got another question. Yes. Okay. Especially as we're learning to tune our ear to God, we're bound to make mistakes. Mm. So how do you balance trying not to be afraid and move forward with avoiding that paralysis of analysis that comes from spending too much time trying to understand what we think God is asking? Mm. I know. Question. I know. It's a good one. It is. I, it's a good one. I, I think the, the solution that was in that passage, and I think it's that love portion. Um, we're okay to make mistakes. When you were young, you were okay stumbling in front of mom and dad because you knew they loved you despite your stumbling, right? So when we understand that we're truly loved and fully loved, we're able to take those risks. And I think what it also does is it's, 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 it eliminates even like, it's not just knowing that you're loved perfectly by Christ, but that you also should, love, you should also avoid being motivated by the love of the world. Because of the love of the world, what you'll find is if I'm motivated by that, then now I'm petrified to make decisions because I'm afraid what everybody's going to think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that that could be helpful to move you away from some of that paralysis. Para, how do you say it? Paralysis, paralysis, paralysis by analysis. I love that. I, love I have not heard that before, but I'm going to use it. Um, <laughs> so thanks to the anonymous person who submitted that. I think it's a good to, question. Um, there's always, I mean, at least the way that I grew up, it always felt like if God was asking you to do something, there was one door you had to walk through and all the other doors led to like something awful. So if I took a wrong turn mm-hmm. or if I made the wrong decision, like all hell would break loose and, you know, my, my anointing yeah. is gone. My calling is messed up. Mm-hmm. And there isn't, I, I feel like, not that we should not make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to, we're going to flip things up sometimes. And maybe we should have taken a left when we should have taken a, a right and we took a right. But at the end of the day, like our destination where God is drawing and calling us to it, we don't have to live in the fear that if I was supposed to open door one and by mistake, I thought it was two, I walked in it and now I've ruined everything. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we can have faith in a big God who can handle those type of things yeah, too. Absolutely. Yeah. He works all things together it's for good. good. So if it's like a career choice or something like you know, if you're not hearing a clear direction between this option and that option, then trust that God can work in both or either. Mm-hmm. So, That's good. And I think another thing is when we, you know, in the Bible, it talks about his word is a lamp to our feet yeah. and a guide to our path. Yeah. Which, and I think you all have said this from stage, mm-hmm. that means it's like this much space yeah. for those steps. It's an oil lamp, not a, yeah. not a flashlight. flashlight. Right? <laughs> so good. you don't actually get one of these really fancy stage lights <laughs> that illuminates everything. You get this much. So you go that much and then you get the next piece and the next piece. Like yeah. chances are, even if you're in a, in a, in a, in a analyzing paralysis. Paralysis of analysis. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, you know some, some next step that maybe you know you should take or you can explore, right? You, we're, there's often something we can do even if it's not doing the whole thing. That's good. Yeah. I um was trying to hear God's voice as it pertains to Jess and I moving to North Carolina in 2008. 
And um, I was that. I mean, that phrase. I was paralyzed. I had we had bought our dream house the year before. The market had exploded, so like we were like the height of the real estate bubble. None of it made sense. None of it at all. And uh, I remember walking into a pastor's office, and he's like, "So tell me." One of my mentors, he said, "What is your biggest fear?" I was like, "I get this wrong. Like I get this decision wrong." He's like, "Okay, what does that mean?" I was like, well, it means like if I go to if I go to Concord and or I go to Charlotte and God's tell, told me to, to stand for Lauderdale, like I, I could ruin everything. He said, OK, so what does ruin everything look like? He was really specific. I'm like, I, I don't know. He's like, so are you thinking that God is somehow going to destroy the ministry here in Fort Lauderdale because yeah. you moved to Concord? Right. I was like. I mean, no. He's like, so do you think he's going to ruin what's happening in, in, in Concord in North Carolina because of. You you should have stood in Fort Lauderdale. I was like, no. He's like, I think you think too much of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it really put me in a place where I understood. You know, we don't like that. We love this passage. We love quoting this passage, but I promise you, it's one of the scary scariest. That God de- uh, uh, that God it, uh, delights. Wow, man, I'm gonna say this word wrong. See, I told you I'm horrible at memorizing <laughs> stuff. But like, there's this this thing that God is is honored with the delight of our heart, mm-hmm. right? Like. He's okay with you making choices. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're honoring God in those choices, he's going to meet you. Now, we think that because God somehow is limited to our linear thinking, because he's not, that he didn't know what choice you were going to make. He knew. Right. Mm -hmm. He knows. It's us that doesn't know. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, 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 to, you know, find yourself face down asking the Lord for direction on some of these big issues. Mm -hmm. But I would tell you that sometimes the reason we're stuck is because we think too much of ourselves and not enough of a God who says, Hey, so for instance, I had family here in North Carolina and uh, someone told me it would be completely selfish for you to make the decision based off your family. And that pastor laughed at me. He's like, that is the most ridiculous ungodly thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) It's okay. If, your love for family has drawn you to a different place. You don't think God wired that in you? Like that's, right. that's okay. But I was so mm-hmm. paralyzed to, oh, I got to make the right decision mm-hmm. that I couldn't see it. So I do think that there is a freedom in understanding that if your heart is in line with the will of God, what is your heart saying? What is the things you desire? Like those things are not in, you know, that God will use those things to direct your path. Right. Yeah, that's really good. I used to be in recruiting for a mission organization, so I would go to colleges and talk to all of these students who are trying to discern if God was calling them to move overseas or not, and more often than not, it was not. Um, <laughs> I was not good at the recruiting side of it, but um, but I remember I would tell them over and over again, we get this idea that God is trying to trick us. Like We get this subconscious mm-hmm. thought that God is trying to make these riddles that I have to decipher just the most perfect way to get his will. And that is not what he's trying to do. God created communication. God created each one of us. Like he wants us to be spending the time to get to know him, to listen to his voice, but he's not trying to make it tricky on us. And so, so often we get this paralysis because we do, we're like, oh, this is a riddle and I have to do X, Y, and Z. And like, I'm living in a movie or something. It's escape room. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I love an escape room. <laughs> I know you do. That's what I said. Yep. Um, <laughs> But, but just that idea that if we seek God and we're genuinely surrendered to what he wants, and I always pray, God, close this door if it's not, 
if it's not one that you want open, please close it. And if it is, like, please keep it open as I take the next step. Um, he's he's going to do that because he wants us to live in the fullness of what he's created right. us for and our purpose. He's not trying to trick us out of it. And, um, and that and was... I, and I think there's times where he leaves two or three doors open and says, so what are you thinking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're getting some questions. Oh, nice. Um, so the first one that just came in is, so one of the things David talked about was living palms hands, open. hands up, palms open, hands open, palms up, something like that, <laughs> um, like this. <laughs> and, and someone asked, how much unlearning do we need to do to embrace this mentality of living hands open, palms up, whatever the phrase was? Palms yeah, but thank you. Sky. Thank you, man. Get you up on the couch. <laughs> I um, so I, I don't know if the word is unlearned learning as much as releasing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Like it's that a fits. lifetime. Yeah, it's a lifetime, and yet, you know, for all of us, it may also be different. Like maybe we've already done a lot of that, and this comes a little more naturally, or maybe, maybe that's a whole new concept. And you're, you know, I don't think any of us master that. No. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our human nature is in us and we're always finding that we've done this again or this, you know, <laughs> clenching and having to do this again. Mm-hmm. Like maybe even physically, like literally doing the posture. Um, there's some power in that. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Yeah, like you saying, releasing it, because I think our natural inclination is to hold it tight, to do what I can do to control the, the outcome that I need it to be. And I, I do think maybe some of it is unlearning if you grew up like I remember uh, growing up and, you know, you were told not to say your issues out loud because then the devil would hear it. And then like so you kept <laughs> things you kept things close to the heart. You know, you were like, oh, I better not talk about this. I better. Not. And so you learn to sort of hold on to things that mm-hmm. maybe God was asking you to release. And I think it is a, 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 a relearning at times. And it may be that case. But I think a lot of it still is learning to release and let go. No, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I love that it does come with this practical motion because it is helpful for me sometimes when I realize I've done it to to actually release and let mm-hmm. go of it again because it is nature. Like I've got little nieces and nephews and it's amazing how quickly you don't have to teach them to hold on to something and not want to share it. That's just yeah. like in mm-hmm. it that this is mine and I'm going to protect it and no one yeah. else is, can be trusted with this. It's just mine. And so it, there is a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. unlearning that nature to know God is trustworthy and um I want to I want to live that way. Okay. I have a question. Yeah. If uh, just kind of going back to the fear and timidity, I know that um David he discussed that sometimes timidity could also be exchanged for anxiety. Mm-hmm. What does it look like how does that verse relate to me when it comes to dealing with something like anxiety and depression and things in this day and age? I think the opposite of timidity to me, and and I send all your emails. That's fine. Um, I think it's strong steps. Mm. The way that I've had to deal with anxiety in my own personal life, and I'm not an anxious person by nature. This isn't a long season that I walk through like so many do. And so I'm not trying to trivialize anybody's season and battle with anxiety. Hear me. I, I don't... I don't want to pretend like I understand the depth of some of that. But I do think on the other side of that, again, 
in this passage in particular, that idea of timidity is, is, is um, counteracted when we take steps enabled and empowered by the Spirit. So it reminds me of Indiana Jones. I, I'm dating myself with this reference, <laughs> but there's this part in the movie where um, they call it the Walk of Faith. And there's just this cavern where there's just this hole between one side of the cavern and the other. And he's looking down and he's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. If I step out, it's certain death. And um, he rem he remembers the clue as being a, a step of faith. And he ends up, so the illustration kind of breaks down because he takes sand and he throws it out. And what he realized was it was an optical illusion. And that thing that he was so afraid of wasn't there at all. Mm. So... But the only way for him to figure that out was because even after they threw the sand on it, it's still visually there. He had to take that first strong step. Yeah. So I do think for so many people as they navigate anxiety, um, you have to be reminded of what the Lord said. Like Indiana Jones was reminded of the clue. And uh, you that. have to be committed to take those that first strong step. And what I love about God is he will meet you in that in that step journey but he's not going to pull you out like he does he's not going to force you to take it that's not how god yeah. functions uh he is a loving god that is merciful and graceful and he'll empower you to do it but you have to make that decision mm -hmm. that's good i feel like i'm simplifying a complicated thing so again hear me if you're walking through deep seasons of anxiety um i don't want to trivialize your journey and say oh it's just easy take a big step but um there, there are even small steps that seem huge Yeah, um, that it's important to take. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think that's helpful. I remember, I, I think it's been a couple of years now, I preached a sermon on worry. And um, one of the things that I learned in my study is that worry and anxiety, like there's absolutely the chemical imbalance part to it. Like we are all about getting counseling, getting help with that sort of thing. But there's also a habit yeah. part to it and an addiction That's that good. happens in our brains when we kind of give in to these thoughts and let them keep building. It almost becomes one of those things like you may have noticed this or maybe it's just me, but I'll worry about something for so long and then it'll come to pass or it won't come to pass. But whatever the situation is, it's resolved. And then I almost feel empty. Like my brain is like, what do I do yeah. now? I need to find another thing to worry about. Yeah. And um. And so, like, this is just something that I'm constantly having to be disciplined and, like, give to the Lord. That's good. But, but it is this idea of, like, no, this is an addiction. Like, my brain is actually getting some chemicals out of this, and it's, like, it's training itself to want more. That's good. And I have to just choose as much as I can, and it's not easy every day. And some days I'm more successful at it than others to just be, like, no, God's got me. Like, God's That's got awesome. this. I can't control what it is that I'm anxious about anyway. Um, and so that was helpful for me to actually read that, oh, this is a habit and an addiction. Yeah. And That's then I powerful. could recognize it in myself. Strong um, stance. Yeah. Okay. We're a couple minutes over, but we got one more question and I'm going to ask it. Um, so going back to this idea of God giving us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, what can I do to live in that spirit of self-discipline when I find myself lacking in that area? We'll finish on a light one. <laughs> it's cool. not as easy as saying you can self-discipline your way into self-discipline, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it sort of also goes back to taking those steps. I mean, there are times when you, you 
to walk in that takes a lot, takes a big step of faith. Yeah. Maybe you're laden with, with anxiety or your fear is, is just trying to overcome you. But at the end of the day, like I, I think it's those steps that we take. We're taking those small ones. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe it's another time. It's a smaller one. It's a move to the side. Of, but at the end of the day, it's, it's taking that step towards something and not just sort of throwing your hands up. Yeah, self-discipline to me um, requires a plan mm -hmm. and requires people to hold me accountable to the plan. That's good. So, like, I love that the Spirit of God enables us to live in that place of self-discipline, but even that, the Spirit of God will empower you to make a plan. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're struggling in areas of self-discipline, I would say find a plan. And if you're like, I don't even know where to start, find people who dis that display that self-discipline and ask them to help you with a plan. Yeah. Um, and P.S., this is in every area of mm -hmm. life, how you navigate uh, health, right? Um, how you navigate your time, how you navigate your finances. Can I get an amen? Amen. Knew I would get an amen. Um, <laughs> um, so it it's you don't go to somebody who's struggling with their finances to figure out how to hold you accountable and create a plan for finances. Right. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, you go to Jabbar's group. You go to Jabbar's on group Sunday on at Sunday 11. mornings at 11 o'clock here <laughs> at Center City Church, 2225 Freedom Drive, 11 o'clock. Um, and you might even get some Bojangles. Uh, but I say that to say, I do think that self-discipline has to be a matter of choice and the best time to start a habit is right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this idea of I'm going to get to the other side of this 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 season before I start a habit. Good luck. Yeah, that season's no just going to keep piling up. So even if it's small changes, I mm -hmm. would try to make those immediately. Yeah. Um, but and that's probably too practical. No, I think that's no, really helpful because um, when I started sharing my activity on my watch, I started doing more activity. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will also say don't let perfect be the enemy of progress. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like when it comes to building discipline, it is a process and we are all going to struggle and we're all going to have days that we just don't do well. Yeah. And I have that personality that can be tempted to be like, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not even going to try. But instead, just like. Every moment is the best moment to start again. And yeah. so don't let that idea of perfection stop you from, from yeah. building that, flexing that muscle. Yeah. And I would, something that I've practiced in the past is pre-deciding something. Because mm. so, um, when it's six o'clock and you have no idea what you're having for dinner, yeah. it is a really hard thing sometimes to make a good, dis a good healthy choice. It's good. Right? Yeah. Like no cheese sticks. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like Absolutely. Ramen. Let's eat that. If I have thought about it ahead of time and said, it's good. I am not hungry right now. I will choose that when dinner time comes, I'm going to have these beans. I'm going to have that fish, you know, right? Yeah. Then when six o'clock comes, I'm not grabbing the thing that's right in front of me. Right. Yeah. It goes back to that planning. That yeah. Plan mm -hmm. of making a, I love that because I'm like, that's such a, for me, I'm not a planner. So it's, it's, it's a, it's intentionality that I have to take to make a plan because uh -huh. my natural instinct is to be like, no, I'll wing it. But like mm. you're saying, you know, then in the moment I'm like, eh, you know, and I'm lost. Well, there's plenty of times I don't plan it and wing it and so on. But I find the more times if I'm in a groove, like yeah. the winging it becomes a better situation, you know. No, that's good. Yeah. That's good.
Okay, give us a little bit of where we're headed. Only a little bit? Yeah, because we're running overtime. <laughs> I am so stinking excited. That's the name of the podcast. We, <laughs> we, uh, we're starting a series called Temptation. We're looking at the life uh, or the, the season of temptation with Jesus in the desert. And um, this week in particular, we're looking at the anatomy, kind of the breakdown of what temptation looks like. And so much of that, like I... I will ramble for another 20 minutes if we had the time just because it is the scripture is just chalk chalkville. Uh, Pastor Ashley and I were doing sermon research this week. And from I mean, just we're like we can literally find this idea, temptation, desire, um, sinful nature in every book of scripture. It's almost as if it's foundational to our understanding. Mm. And um, what I'll give you a little bit. This is the little bit I'll leave you on. So much of this sermon was hard to write. And I kept saying, why is this so hard? Because every time I came to this place that I'm writing this stuff down and I felt like the Spirit of God's just dropping all this stuff and I'm doing all the research and finding all these, these just different passages and putting them all together, it was so countercultural to where we live today wow. that I, was, I found myself afraid of offending. Like mm -hmm. legitimately, I'm like, I can't say it like this. I... This pa I can't read this passage like this. Like this is, and I found myself in this place of conviction with the Spirit of God saying, wait a second, maybe this is the reason why so many of us are struggling with our flesh and our wow. appetites and our desires. If you're not, if, if, you, if the scripture isn't able to cut and, and do the work of introspection like this, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? So um, I might, this might be the one I get fired over, but let's go. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I am, I am so pumped up yeah, for the series. Yeah. Awesome. So be there to see what happens yeah. <laughs> Sunday morning at nine and 11 and, um, yeah, yeah. Uninstalled. <laughs> uninstalled. <laughs> uninstalled. <laughs> I'm going to get uninstalled. Yeah. We'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday. Oh.